Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiny DevOps, where we talk about DevOps for small teams, tiny teams, one to 20 developers, something like that. Today, I'm excited to have Charles Wood with me today, uh, or Chuck, uh, as he goes by sometimes. Um, Chuck, thanks for coming on. Uh, some of you guys may know him. Some of you listeners may know him as one of the uh, co-hosts or the, the, the principal host, really, of the Adventures in DevOps podcast. He also runs several other podcasts, which I think we'll talk about here in a few minutes. But before we do all that, Chuck, would you give us a brief introduction? Tell us about your career, what you know about DevOps, and why we should care about what you have to say. <laughs> oh, where do I start? So um, I started programming a TI-85 calculator in junior high. Uh, if you're not in the U.S. or don't know what junior high is, I was like 12 or 13. Um, I was also really into math at the time, and so we learned a little bit of Pascal. Um uh, you know, just to make mathematical thingies, draw pictures. Um, so I kind of got into that, got into electronics in high school, um, went to Brigham Young University. Um, I was in, I worked in the Office of Information Technology is what they called it. And I specifically worked in the operations center. So um, that's how I got into DevOps um, or into operations anyway. Um I was working janitorial services, met a girl. Uh, she introduced me to her friends, uh, later became roommates with those friends, and they were working in the op center. So that's how I got in there. Um, never really dated the girl. Anyway, oh. it's another story. It's not so, like happily ever after there, but I guess that, that happened later. No, not quite. Yeah, okay. Um, but anyway, so I worked there for four or five years. I did a brief internship looking at maybe going into law. That didn't work out. Um, went back, I worked on the server provisioning team. And so, um, initially we'd go in and we'd put the CDs in the servers mm -hmm. in the back room of the operations center. Um, and then, uh, they figured out how to pixie boot. So, you know, it would load the media off of another server on the network. Um, and then eventually we got into VMware, uh, ESX at the time. And, you know, which was kind of a precursor to some of the provisioning we do now where it's like, take that image and put it over there. Um, and all of our servers had fun names at the time. Oh, yes. uh, that's something I kind of miss because now all my servers are, this is the website that's on the server. Um, but anyway, that that's kind of how I got in. Um, I picked up programming at the time as well. I had a friend that was building e-commerce sites in uh, LampStack. Um, so I started doing that and... Uh, you know, majored in computer engineering, which was more hardware focused. But yeah, eventually I got into software. Um, I was actually running a support team uh, for the company I was working for, and we needed a support portal. And the I went to the CEO, and the CEO looked at me and said, "We're not paying for that." And so we built it, <laughs> built a support portal. Okay. That's Very how good. I really got into it, just because ops kind of made sense to me. It was it was fun. It was interesting. Um, but that's how I got into dev was, mm -hmm. was that project. And it was like, oh, wow, this stuff's actually useful. So anyway, that, uh, I've been doing Ruby on rails since then. Uh, it's been what, like 15 years. Uh, I got into podcasting at that same job. Um, uh, I had a coworker that bought an iPod. 
He helped me get set up listening to podcasts on the Mac Mini I was using to run the Mac beta for the product mm-hmm. that we worked on. And yeah, so at the same time, I was getting into programming. I was also getting into podcasting. Uh, started my first show, uh, Rails Coach, which is not out there anymore. Um, I morphed it into Teach Me to Code podcast when I took over the Teach Me to Code screencast series. And then I'd been doing that for several years, what, like three years, I think. And uh, a friend of mine posted on Twitter that, hey, we ought to have a podcast called Ruby Rogues, where we have a panel that talks about Ruby. And I had been listening to panel shows as well, because I was way into podcasting and sounded like a great idea to me. So we started it up and that's how the rest of these started. So we started Ruby Rogues and the JavaScript Jabber Freelancer Show, iFreaks, Adventures in Angular. Um, I had a couple people, a bunch of people coming to me wanting React and Elixir podcasts. So we started those. I started a View podcast at the same time. Um, and then I started Adventures in DevOps, um, Adventures in Blockchain, I think, which is no longer running and a few other shows that we have out there. So so okay. that's kind of the history of, of where this has all gone. Um, and yeah, it, I was, it was my full-time thing up until uh, the fall of last year. And then uh, I took a job at Morgan Stanley, worked there for about a year, and now I'm working a contract and building up top-end devs. Cool. So let's talk about that, uh, top-end devs. Uh, that's, that's what I'd like to talk to you about mm-hmm. today. What, what is a top-end dev? So that's, of course, that's your brand. Um, right. We'll talk about that. But... What, what is the concept? What is a top-end dev to you? Well, it's interesting because the two were kind of connected in my head. Um, so I went through some internet stuff. Uh, welcome to the internet. People suck sometimes. Um, most people don't, but it's just the way it goes. Anyway, um, it really made me think, you know, what do I want, right? What do I really want to do? And I realized that I wanted to help people come top, become top-end devs. And when I think about it, I kind of have two definitions. One of them is a real short definition, and that's you're within the top 5% of your field, top end dev, right? Yep. That That's easy. But but what does that actually look like, right? Practically, you know, um, how do we help people, you know, get to that level? I mean, what who are these people, right? And so some of them are kind of easy to identify, right? They're sort of the celebrities in the space, for lack of a better term, right? So you've got people that are kind of out there that either have, you know, made or made major contributions to open source that everybody uses. And so everybody knows who they are, or they're the people that are speaking at all of the conferences on a particular topic, or, you know, a lot of times they're the podcasters that are podcasting about it. They're the people that have the YouTube channels about it. But again, you know, practically for the everyday developer, it's like, okay, well, how do I get there? Right. And is that all of the top end uh, developers or DevOps folks? And, and I think the answer to that is no, right. It's not, the top 5%. That's like the top half a percent, right? So um, maybe I'll have the tippy top end devs or something. I don't know. But for the rest of it, you know, the rest of the 5%, who are they? And when I really think about that, I think about, okay, you know, who are just the killer people that I worked with that were just amazing coworkers, right? And typically they're the people that have sort of an encyclopedic knowledge of whatever the topic is, right? So it's, it's, Hey, well, what do we, what do we use here? And it's like, well, I have played with X, Y, and Z. And you're looking at them going, now you have the same job I have, and you have had that for a while, you know, and you don't, you know, we haven't done that here. So, you know, or it's, it's the person that will sit down and pair program with you or whatever. Right. And so you're sitting there and 
you get stuck and they're the ones that will help you find the answer. They're the people that, so there's some soft skills element to this too, right? Where, you know, they they contribute to the team, they push the team forward, they help with the practices and things like that. Um, but, but they're also experts, right? And so it's, it's a bit of both. And, and that's where I really put things is, you know, it's, it's people effectively who are experts in whatever technology space they're in. They consistently put the push the team forward, and they are actively participating in the wider community. Th- those are your five percent, and and I promise you, you're probably thinking, "Well, I know a lot of people that do that." You really don't. You really don't. There are not a lot of people that are doing all three. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking five percent, that means one out of twenty, right? One out of twenty. Yep. So you know, think of the last time you went to a a, a meetup or maybe a lunch break, and you're if you. If you could remember far enough back that you were actually at a lunch break with physical colleagues, mm-hmm. and you know, go around the table and think, uh, you know, count twenty, and how many of those match that description? Uh, I'll bet right. it's one or fewer in most cases. Yep. And and the reality is is that um, of those people that are sitting at the table, most of them probably fall within the top fifteen to twenty yeah. percent because they're they're already actively <clears throat> participating. Yeah, I, I think I think it was Bob Martin who made the point in a, in a video presentation he did several years ago that it, f- since essentially the beginning of time, which isn't that long ago in computer terms, uh, but since the, since the beginning of computer time, so basically Alan Turing onward, mm-hmm. the number of uh, developers has roughly doubled every five years. Yep, and will continue to do so for a while it won't forever mm-hmm. because we'll eventually you would have more developers than there are humans on the planet and that won't happen uh i expect won't happen unless we count right. ai <laughs> well and that's that's interesting too because um i talked to a lot of these people coming in and boy are they hungry to to come in and, and nail this stuff but the other thing that's interesting about it is that when they come in and they learn stuff most of them, most of the time, are learning the new stuff, right? They're not learning the old crufty stuff that we're doing every day. And so, you know, th- that's the other element to this is these people are keeping up on the new stuff, like the the top, the top 5%. They're, they're staying current, right? Mm-hmm. They, they know what they're doing and where they're headed with this. Should everybody try to be a top 5%? Obviously, that's not possible. Uh for for there to be a top five percent, there also has to be a bottom ninety five percent. But <laughs> should should it be a goal of everybody to 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 reach this, or is it something that it's okay if you don't want to be one of those people? So I'm I'm kind of torn on this, right? Because everybody wants something different from their career. Um, if you're ambitious, then absolutely, right? Um, but yeah, the reality is also that if you're doing the things that I recommend people doing, and I have five. Six. I just added one this morning. I was talking to my neighbor and I was like, mm-hmm. I missed this. Um, I'll tell you what it is. You'll be the first to hear it. Um, right. But if you do these six things on a regular basis, and it's really not a ton of stuff to do every day or every week or, you know, because some of them are daily and some are weekly. Um, if you're doing these things, you're doing more than 95% of everybody, right? And so even if you're brand new, if you're not, if your expertise doesn't put you in the top 5%, these practices will, right? Okay. And so that that's the other thing too, is that um, in a lot of cases, uh, I, I have people come to me all the time. How do I stay current? How do I stay current? And, and the reality is, is you don't have good inputs, right? You don't have good inputs coming in and telling you what you need to do next. And, and that's why you're worried about this, right? And you see new people coming in and learning the new technology and they kind of have this intuitive grasp of it. And, and you realize 
hey, you know, I may wind up just stuck where I'm at, or I don't know what to learn next. And so I may wind up stuck where I'm at. And the reality is, is that these practices will get you out of that and give you good input so that you know what to go learn. And that'll put you in the top 5%. And it'll put you there pretty darn fast, even if you're newer in the field, because 95% of the people that have the expertise aren't doing these things. What would you say to somebody who's who says, I want to be a top five percenter, but I really don't like the public speaking. I don't want to blog. I don't want to do podcasting and YouTube. And, you know, I don't care about that aspect of stuff, but I want to be the best developer I can be and, and so on. Is that are those contradicting goals from somebody? Because I, I hear that kind of thing frequently. But does that mean they're not going to be top five percent? Are they, are they stuck in the top 15 or something? No, it means they're not confident enough to go put out content. Okay. It's it's not, it's, I don't want to say never, but it's almost never the case that they don't want to do that. They're afraid they're going to fail at it. They're afraid they're not going to be good at it. Um, and and it's an excuse. And one of the things that I tell people to do is produce content every week. Okay. okay? So, um, and I've, I've heard that before, right? I've, I've had people come to me and say, um, you know, hey, I, uh, I just, you know, I don't even know what I would blog about, or I don't know what I would um, podcast about, or I don't know what I would write about. I don't know what I would YouTube about. You know, I, I don't feel confident talking on camera. I don't feel confident using the mic. That's fine. That's fine. And, and some of that's normal, but the reality is you're not doing it for anybody else. So why worry about anybody else? The, the reality is, is it's a practice that does a couple of things for you that are really, really important and so you need to be doing it right one of them is is that you actually think about the content that you're putting out and that causes you to think about what you're learning and what you're sharing and it, it forces you to organize your thoughts around a topic the other thing is is that i can't tell you i mean i've been podcasting long enough that i don't remember having a career where i didn't get hired because of my content okay so so i realize that that may be different from other people's experience but the reality is, is if they can go and they can see your expertise on a long run blog or a long run podcast or a long run YouTube series, even if it's not popular, you you get so much mileage out of that. The other thing is, is you really start to figure out, you know, where you fit within whatever communities you do interact with. And that is an extremely powerful place to be, because when you show up, you immediately know, nope, I don't want to be over there. I want to be over here. Right. And you also start to identify with other people within the community who you have things in common with. And you also know when you don't have something in common with somebody, how to talk about it. I can completely identify with that and, and confirm that it's been my experience as well, that long before I was doing a podcast or YouTube or anything like that, I had a blog and I would just post occasionally when I had something interesting or, or notes to my future self about here's how I did this thing. And every time I would interview for a job, of course, the, re the interviewers would read that blog. If, they were probably the only people on the planet who ever read that blog, aside from myself. But it was valuable to them. Uh, you know, writing a blog post. It, <laughs> yep. You don't. You don't know. You're not. You're not going to make. You're not going to get a million views. But but those three views from those people who are going to interview you in the future are worth a lot. Yep. If you're trying to attract business, by the way, if you're a freelancer or consultant, you have to be doing this. Um, the other thing that I left off is that it, it makes you get disciplined, right? Doing it every week. Cause sometimes it's like, you know, I had a bunch of stuff go down like this week, you know, in my world, right. My, uh, virtual assistant 
that posts the podcast episodes and things like that, the stuff that I haven't thought about in months because um, she just handles it right. Uh, her city got hit by a typhoon and she wow. still doesn't have electricity or internet, right? So guess who's doing it? It's me, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm still making it a priority. And and I, I think that's just as important as just having the discipline to say, no, I committed to doing this on a regular basis, you know, this regular basis. And so I'm going to do it, right? Now, this week it might be, hey, I was working on this thing and I got this weird error and this is how I fixed it. Here's two paragraphs. But you posted, right? And, you know, anyway, um, it, it's really, really critical to be able to do that because then you you have that habit. Yeah, I agree. I've been doing daily blogging for almost a year now. And it's amazing wow. how frequently I uh, I can just refer to something I wrote. Somebody, some conversation on social media or with a friend uh, over beers happens and we're like, yeah, I wrote about that. Here's the link. And mm-hmm. it, it's just... <laughs> It's it's so yeah. it's fun to do that. I don't know how powerful it. I mean, it is powerful, but it's just fun to say, yeah, I did that. Here, here's the link, and done. Like I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I don't have to spend an hour explaining myself anymore. Just here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, which um, so you, you you talk about doing weekly um, blogging, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Is is that kind of your blogging your, podcasting? Your I mean, podcasting's my my deal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I. I, I'm on several podcasts, so, you know, I have more than one bit of content that goes out, but, you know, I, whatever you're comfortable with, right? Blogging is probably the lowest barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, my son, for example, he wants to be YouTube famous, and so YouTube's probably his deal, right? Um, he's 16. He wants to play video games on YouTube. But, what you know, it it, it kind of depends. You know, some people like being on the camera and some people don't. Yeah, yeah. Some people somebody... like talking and aren't comfortable with being on the camera. Also, yeah. great. It's it's natural to me to just talk my thoughts out. So right, right. So if somebody comes to you, they're they're new to this idea, and they're like, "What should I do?" It sounds like your advice is, if all else is equal, just start writing a blog and and yeah. do something. Get a blog out there. Yeah. You can always add a podcast in the future if you mm-hmm. want to, or, or or whatever else. Yeah, because a blog. I mean there are blogging platforms that you don't even have to set up. You just sign up for them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not going to mention one of the more popular ones cause I hate medium. Um, but you know, there, there are other platforms out there. You can set up a WordPress. There are static site generators that are real easy to get rolling. Um, but yeah, just start writing. It doesn't have to be pretty. LinkedIn even gives you perfect. the option to put long form content. If you want to create lists yeah. on LinkedIn, not that it's the best interface, but that's I, not I a don't concern know. right now. Right. Yeah, but the other thing is, is it's not indexed the same way. I mean, you sure. want something that's Googleable. Yeah. But yeah, um, just just to put it out there, I mean, the other things that I tell people to do, number one is you have to learn something new every day, right? Now I have some guidelines for this, like, you know, one thing should be for your future job, you know, where you want to end up. Uh, so one day a week should be that. One day a week should be some kind of soft skills or the way you interact with people on your team. The other five days can be whatever you want, Right. Um, and if you, if you're not following the exact guideline, but you're learning something new every day, you're doing great, right? Uh, you need to commit code every day is, is number two. Uh, number three is you have to meet somebody new in the industry every week. Okay. Now, if you have a podcast or a YouTube channel or something like that, that that gets a lot easier, right? Because you just reach out to them and say, Hey, you want to be on my show? Right. 
and then you get to talk to them and you have that kind of conversation. But yeah, yeah. How, it's, it's, how would you have responded, Chuck, if I had called you a year ago before we did podcasting together and I said, would, could, would you have an hour-long conversation with me? I mean, maybe you would say yes, but most people wouldn't, I would. right? You would have? You'd be surprised, um, especially if you have a podcast audience. Um, I mean, I've seen people with brand new podcasts that legit, like, you know, it's like, well, people don't even know about it yet. So it's got like five people listening to it. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen big names go on them. Yeah. So you would be surprised. But the thing is, is there's a lot to be said for talking to your peers, talking to people that are maybe just a little ahead of you one way or the other, uh, maybe a little behind you one way or the other where you provide mentorship. All of that's valuable content. So, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody that you're going, oh, well, that guy has thousands of podcast listeners. I'd love to give it get him on go for it right but the flip side of that is is that um you can get other people that you can create great content for that don't have name recognition and that's just as valuable content yep sorry i interrupted your list you were, you were going no you're all there. good so learn something new every day commit code every day uh, meet somebody new every day we talked about one piece of content every day um the one that i just added talking to my neighbor because we were chatting and i realized you know um, people need to, and so I have two daily, two weekly, this one's a monthly, you have to participate in some kind of community, uh, event every month. Okay. Now okay. that can be going to lunch with your colleagues. It could be going to a meetup. It could be, I mean, anything like that, but it's somewhere where you're actually going and interacting with and talking to people about what you do. Nice. And then I added in relation to that, at least once every six months, it has to be some kind of conference. It can be a summit, right? I get that some people can't travel for whatever reason, you know, within or outside of the pandemic, but you, you've got to go and you've got to interact with people while you're there, okay? Mm -hmm. So you're going to get kind of the latest and greatest from the experts that are speaking and you're going so that you can meet people in that kind of a setting because it's just different. There's just something different about it. And then the last thing is, is you have to sit down every three months and you have to look at your long-term goals. So that's, you know, a year to three years out and decide where you want to head, right? And then decide what you're going to do over the next three months so that, so that you know what you're learning, who you're meeting, so that you can get all those other things to line up with where you want to go. And I have a lot of people go, well, Chuck, I'm not sure where I want to be in three to five years. And my answer is, is, well, pick something that sounds good. You can always change it later. And what you're going to find out is over the next, you know, two to three months during that period, you know, where you're learning what you were learning to get where you want to go, you're going to say, oh, well, I thought I wanted to be in management. And so I've been picking up management skills every week for my future job skill. That stuff is boring. I hate it. I do not want to be a manager. I don't want to be anywhere close to a manager, right? I want to hire somebody to be my manager so that I don't have to do it, right? And so the reality is, is then you go back and then when you do your next three, three months planning, you nix manager and you say, you know what? I want to be a freelancer. And so, you know, and then maybe you start picking up skills for freelancing and you're going, you know, some of the things that I have to do to market myself as freelancer is super fun. Or you may figure out that's not it either and you just want to be, um, you know, kind of the top end dev expert guy on your team. And that's fine mm -hmm. too. But then you have to be real concrete about what that means so that you know what you're learning over the next three months. 
one thing, or a couple things that I, I noticed you didn't mention, and I'm curious where you think, if and where you think these fit in your, your framework. Reading books. That's something I always, you know, I read a lot, and, I, and the, the people that I would consider top-end devs usually read a lot. They've read books by, by Bob Martin and Martin Fowler and Kent Beck and, you know, all the big names. You didn't mention reading. You did mention learning. Um, is that where you feel that fits? Or, or? Yes, absolutely. So uh, top-end devs, I'm getting ready to launch the book club. We're going to be reading Bob Martin and Martin Fowler and all these guys. Um, but the other thing is, is that, you know, if you read a chapter of a book, if you read a few paragraphs of a book and you feel like you really learned something, right, it just inspired you to think about, you know, whatever, that's enough, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not setting the bar so high. It's not like you have to learn Kubernetes today and, you know, <laughs> no, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's one thing, right? It's like, oh, I learned that I can configure Kubernetes to act this way with these couple of flags. Great, right? Now go do something with it. But you learned it, right? The committing the code is doing something with it, right? That that's that's the plan. And when I say commit code, it's not at work, right? The stuff you do for work doesn't count. It has to be outside of work. It has to be stuff that you're not doing for work. Now, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a side project and that side project may eventually fold back into your business, that's fine, right? Because, you know, but but you're doing it to learn. You're not doing it to, oh, well, I committed code today because I showed up at work. Right. Yeah. But but yeah, so books fit into that. Um, I'm a huge fan of books. I mean, honestly, um, you know, on the entrepreneurial end and things like that, I mean, I consume probably three or four books a month. Um, and then, yeah, I like to go pick up a tech book of some kind and consume one of those every month. But usually they don't come in audio books, so I actually have to plan out time to sit down and yeah. read. But, um, and I've been doing a challenge called 75 hard. And part of that is actually reading 10 pages every day. Um, and so I fit a lot of that in there, you know, and so I can usually get through a, a decent sized tech book in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing, right? So books fit into there. I'm a huge fan, like I said, but if you watch a 10, 10 minute video on how to do a thing and you learn something, that's, that's good, right? And and that's what top end devs is supposed to be is, you know, the brand is, you know, we're we're working on getting series that come out every week. And so it'll be a you know, we'll have a Docker series and a this series and a that series. So it's okay, well, um, you know, today I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna learn something about Chef, right? And so I'm gonna go watch the Chef video. And then yeah. tomorrow I'm gonna go watch the Docker video and you kind of get the idea, right? And then the day after that, I'm going to go read a chapter out of this book. What do you think about speaking at conferences? Uh, how important is that uh, to people on this track? So it, it depends. And I mean, I think it's a healthy thing for people to do. But I understand that some people just aren't going to be good at it. And I also understand that a lot of people just aren't confident to go out and do it. Right. Um, I'm pretty fearless. I'm weird. And so I go do it, but I think a lot of that just comes out of, you know, I've been podcasting for so long that if, if I'm going to say something stupid, I've probably already said it. And it's recorded. Um, <laughs> yes. It's out there in the world. You can find it. Um, but honestly, it's one of the best ways to really get recognized as an expert. Um, I will also put out there that if you are looking to kind of get that top end dev job, right, where you want to kind of be the, the expert in the company or you want to be recognized as, you know, 
this, that, or the other, or maybe you're thinking you want to be a developer evangelist, right? So now we're starting to talk career tracks, right? Which is that three month, you know, sit down and say, this is where I want to be in three years. So this is what I've got to do in three months. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so speaking might fit into that, you know, where you're sitting there and you're going, you know what, I really do want to be recognized as an expert, but you don't have to do that to be top 5%, right? Um, so it fits, and especially if you want to be in that top 0.5%, but reality is, is that you don't have to, right? And so if you're showing up at the conference and you're mentoring people and you're talking to people and you're learning things and you're, you're making those connections, a lot of times you'll be able to talk to and get to know those speakers anyway, and move in those circles that, that gets you those better inputs that I was talking about earlier with staying current. Um, because now you can have conversations with people who are, you know, involved i guess a, a little in a different way than you are um but yeah it's it's not a critical piece to this um it's something i encourage but it's not something that i think is required mm -hmm. for people who are interested that they, they want to be a top five percent uh developer um but they, they just want a regular job maybe they want to work at google mm -hmm. or they want to you know whatever uh they're not looking to to be the next uh, I don't know what's DHH or whatever, you know, right. the big celebrity or whatever. Right. They just want to get paid well and enjoy their job and be respected. Um, how important do you think it is for these types of people to build a so-called personal brand as opposed to just learning everything and talking about it? Or are, is there even a distinction? So there, I think there is a distinction. Um, I don't know that it's a very meaningful one. Okay. Um, right. So I, I see people, you know, and they just put content out. You can be more deliberate about putting content out, you know, uh, do a little bit more design work on your social media and on your blog or podcast or whatever. And, you know, and own a personal brand. Um, typically, the people who have strong personal brands are also people who have strong opinions and aren't afraid to put them out there. And so then you start moving more toward that celebrity status. Um, right. And, and so there's a spectrum here. As far as the rest of it goes, though, I mean, if you just want to show up at a great company, do great work and, you know, and enjoy the rest of your life. I mean, that sounds pretty nice to me, to be honest. Right. Uh, you know, I just I just want to take my kids to Disneyland every year or something. Right. Um, the the reality is, is that you you do need to do all this other stuff because you get hired on your personal brand. Right. Um, and so effectively, if you think about it what winds up happening is, is so let's say you want to go work at Google and I've, I can't tell you how many people are like, I want to work at a fang company. And I look at them and go, why? Yeah. But then I help them. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's, I, I don't ask them quite that way because it is important to know why, right. You know, is it status? Is it something else? Is, you know, but um, in order to have that job, they hire you on your personal brand. So, you know, when, when people are hiring junior developers and, you know, they have a whole bunch of unknowns show up, right? Um, the person that kind of shines the brightest wins, right? Is, is really the way that works, right? This is somebody I think I can work with. This is somebody I think I can train. This is somebody that I think, you know, is, is hungry to get this stuff done. And how do I know that? Well, they have a blog. They committed to GitHub every day. You know, I mean, these th that's what this stuff is showing people is that, hey, look, I'm the kind of person that you want to hire. And that's a personal brand. Um, but it's not a personal brand in the way that we think of, yeah, like a DHH or some of these other folks 
Um, or, you know, uh, some of the other ones that come to mind are like West Boss, right? He's created yeah. a personal brand, but he's done it around, you know, he's trying to sell courses and things like that. And so it's it's important to his business, right? Um, DHH does a lot of the same things, and I think it does bring business to Basecamp. Um, but you don't have to go that way. Um, if you, But if you want to go work at a great company, having all this stuff, you know, under your belt, Oh yeah, they've been blogging every day or blogging every week for three years. Um, they obviously know what they're talking about because I read some of the articles, and it's not this uh, wimpy. Here's here's yet another intro to Docker that I've written eight times. Right? It's you know they're they're learning new stuff and they're thinking about it and they're sharing it. Um, you know they they show up at the community events. They're actually driven to learn. I mean, those are the people I'm going to hire every dang day. Right? It, it, I was just talking to my neighbor over here and, and he was uh, he mentioned that he had one guy on his team and he's like, he's like, he's he's a technical genius and he just left my team. And boy, is that a relief. Right. And and the reality is, is because he has to push him to do anything to move forward. And so, you know, some of those interpersonal skills, soft skills that you're going to pick up, you know, once a week are going to be important. But the the other end of it is, is. Yeah, when people hire, when they hire somebody new, they kind of want to be able to see who they're going to bring in. And that doing all this stuff gives you that baseline. Um, the other thing is, is having the connections. I mean, I can't tell you how many people are they're like, well, I can't find a good job. And I'm like, how many people do you know? Right. Hmm. And so all of these things play into that. And so even if you're just thinking, you know what, I just I don't need to be the celebrity. I don't even need to be, you know, like well thought of at the company I work at. I just want to sit down and do my job. Uh, the reality is, is that all of these things are going to help you get a better job. They're going to put you in a better position to get the thing that you want to get. And then, you know, I mean, honestly, I've seen companies hire people at insane salaries that have been in the industry two or three years. And the reason is, is because they've gone out and they put in the time to learn stuff that the guys that have been in 10 years won't go learn won't go do, uh, you know, or at least 95% of them won't. And so, you know, th there's no reason why this can't just accelerate your, your um, career either to the point where you're actually moving into the position you want. And so if anything, um, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people that, yeah, they just want to show up and do cool tech and, you know, solve cool problems and feel like they're a part of something. And that is totally fine. But yeah. if you're going to do that, you may as well be the best you can at it and go put yourself in the best position you can. Mm -hmm. What should you look for in a job to help you with this journey? I mean, you don't want to end up in a dead end job, but how do you, how do you know when that's, how do you define that? And how do you know what to look for when you're, when you're on the job search? So you remember how I said that 95% of people don't do these things. Um, this, this fits right into that. Where do I want to be in three to five years? Right. Because if you can figure that out, right, I want to be a CTO or I want to, you know, I want to be a technical lead of some kind. Right. Not a manager necessarily, but a technical lead at a company where I'm, you know, making some of the technology decisions and really relied upon or, you know, I want to go surf. You know, I want to live on the beach and surf. And so I just want a place that will just pay me. I mean, whatever. Right. Any of these are valid. You know, I want to take my kids to Disneyland every year. I mean, whatever. I'm probably going to keep saying that one because I like it. Um, but uh, do, you, do you take your kids to Disneyland every year? 
I don't. Oh. I don't. Is it an aspiration still, or or it's just something you heard? So no, th- this year, honestly, what I'm looking at is I want to take them each on an individual trip of some kind, right? Oh, so, nice. yeah. um, you know, I could go into all the details, but uh, we haven't been to Galaxy's Edge. My 10 year old is nuts about Star Wars. So, you know, Disneyland's yeah. kind of an easy win there. Uh, my 12 year old is crazy about Harry Potter. Universal Studios is an easy win there. You can kind of get the idea, right? Yeah. But yeah. again, it's it's down to what do I want? Right. right. What do I want? What's it going to take? So let's say take my kids to Disneyland every year. Well, I know that that's going to be an outlay of cash. And let's say that it's fifteen thousand dollars for the whole trip. Right. I mean, I have five kids, so that's a lot of people to take to Disneyland. Uh, but I live in Utah, so we can drive there. Right. Um, anyway, it's a long drive. But anyway, so the point is, is that I can sit down and I can say, OK, well, uh, right now we're living on let's say we're living on like seventy thousand dollars a year. And I don't know. I haven't done the budgeting, but, you know, let's say $70,000 a year. So now I need to get to $85,000 a year, right? And maybe account for inflation. So let's make it an even $90,000 a year, okay? So what do I have to do to get there, right? And still like what I'm doing at jo- at my job, right? Mm-hmm. So then I can start to write down, okay, well, what are all the things that I want in a job? Well, I want a good boss. I, you know, needs good ben- benefits. I need this. I need this. I need this. And... I want a $90,000 a year job. Well, I can go look and see job listings that are listing for $90,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And so I can backfill this, right? And then I can say, okay, well, if I'm making $70,000 a year now, by the way, if you've been there for more than a year or so, you might be able to get $90,000 a year, just saying. But let's say that, you know, I, I can't seem to line something up, right? So what do I need to learn? Well, I can go look at those job listings. I can talk to people that work in those, those companies. I wrote a book on this, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, make the connections. So those are the people that I want to meet every week, right? Or people that work at the, the, those companies that are working in those $90,000 a year jobs, right? And, you know, and so then I can say, okay, well, do I qualify for the $80,000 a year job, right? Maybe that's the jump, you know, or maybe I can get into that company, as a junior technician or a mid-level technician, right? And then just let them know, hey, look, um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to prove to you that I'm worth $90,000 a year. So I'd like to come in at 80,000, you know, if they if you tell them you want 90 and they tell you no, just say, look, well then let me come in at 80 and within a year, if I do these things, you know, and so you start thinking, so what's the next step to that, right? So if I wanna become a CTO, for example, and I'm an individual contributor, the next job for me is probably going to be some kind of management position, right? So, and it, it may not be mid-level, it may just be team lead, right? And so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go talk to my boss. Hey, boss, my goal is in five years to be CTO of, a, of, of you know, a company that I'm a part of. So, you know, I feel like the next step is to have a job kind of like yours. What should I be learning in order to, you know, um, go talk to other team leads? And, and you can figure it out, right? I mean, it's what job should I be looking for next really depends on where I want to end up. And the best way to figure out how to get that job is to talk to other people who have that job or Mm -hmm. talk to their bosses. Because if you talk to their bosses, their bosses are going to tell you what they want, right? Well, I had this really great team lead that worked under me, you know, middle manager. um, And he did X, Y, and Z, ABC. You know, he dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's here. 
And it's like, okay, well, then I need to learn how to do all that stuff, right? And so you can dedicate some of your learning to that. Um, and, and then go start applying for those jobs. Because the other thing is, is once you start applying for those jobs, you start getting feedback. Uh, we hired somebody else. Okay, well, um, what two things can I, you know, learn in the meantime so that the next job I apply to, you know, I can be more qualified on. And a lot of people will tell you that if you get that specific. But yeah. you, you, if you talk to people who are uh, a couple steps ahead of you, they can tell you what you need. And then you can go learn it and learn something new every day that will get you there. Chuck, how, uh, well, you mentioned a book title or a book that you wrote. What's, what's the title of that book for people who want to find it? So I'm currently revising it. I'm going to retitle it. Um, right now, if you go on Amazon and you type in Max Coders, you'll find it. Max Coders was uh, the brand that I settled on before Top End Devs. Um, and so it's Max Coders Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's just going to be, you know, Find Your Dream Developer Job, I think is what I'm going to wind up titling it. And yeah, it just walks you through hey, here's how you update your resume. Here's how you contribute to, it tells you to commit often to have a side project, um, how to get involved in the community because those are the biggies. And then from there, you know, how to leverage connections in order to find the job you want and how to identify what companies offer what you want. Mm -hmm. Really good. So, yeah. How can people get in touch with you? So the best way to do it, um, if you go to topendevs.com slash tiny devops, I'll just put all the information there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I, I have a two week course, email course that I'm working on um, that should be available when people, when this goes live. And if you okay. get in there, it'll just walk you through a lot of this stuff. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, I'm not that hard to find. Uh, but Top End Devs is kind of the best place to find a lot of that stuff. And then you can go listen to some of our other shows like Adventures in DevOps and, you know, yep. click my face and you'll you get the info there too. But uh, topenddevs.com slash tinydevops is going to get you what you want. Um, I'm also going to put out there that uh, if you go there, it's also going to give you an opportunity to sign up for uh, Top End Devs uh, offering at half off. So, awesome. um, anyway, it'll, it'll give you both. It'll send you an email and tell you how, how to do it. So great. Well, thanks Charles for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to add before we say our goodbyes? Um, no, I mean, honestly, it's, it's not, it's not a ton of work. I mean, you can do everything that I just talked about in less than 20 or 30 minutes a day. And so if you just get up a little bit early and go do it, um, I can't tell you what a difference it'll make in your career. I mean, people just rocket ahead because they're talking to the right people. They're learning something new. They're committing code and they're showing people what they're capable of. And once you've done that, you're not a risky hire and people will offer you what you're worth. Yeah. Great. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks again, Chuck, for coming on. Thanks for listening and yeah. hope to see Max you next Max out, time. everybody.